Hello and welcome to the Car History Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Lynch, and this episode is going to be about the Peugeot 205 GTI. In the late 70s, Peugeot were looking to replace the aging 104 with a newer, slightly bigger Supermini. And in February 1983, the five-door only 205 was launched and left on drive with right-hand drive models coming later that year in September. Often thought to have been designed by Pininfarina, it was actually designed by Peugeot's own design department, headed up by Gerard Welter. The early launch 205s used the 104's Duvren suitcase engine, which had the gearbox and the sump, but later these were changed for the newer XU and TU series engines, which were a PSA design. These could be had in sizes from 954cc to 1905cc, with both petrol and diesel options available. All the run-of-the-mill models were praised for their fine ride and handling combination, but it didn't take long for Peugeot to take advantage of having such a well-balanced chassis. One year after the 205's launch in 1984, they brought out the first GTI model, this was also when the regular three-door models were launched. It was fitted with a 1.6-litre engine codenamed XU5J and produced 104 brake horsepower and 99 pounds-feet of torque and weighed in at 848 kilos. The engine was a single overhead cam unit with a bore of 83mm and a stroke of 73mm and both the block and the head were all aluminium. It had a compression ratio of 10.2 is to 1 and the fueling was handled by a Bosch L Jetronic electronic fuel injection system. The 205 used McPherson struts up front while adopting a torsion bar and trailing arm setup in the rear. The torsion bar and trailing arm setup was a very popular setup in the PSA group due to its space saving design and excellent ride and handling characteristics. But for the 1.6 GTI, the front spring rates were almost trebled compared to the more humble 205GR and the rear torsion bar stiffness was increased by 50%. As a result of the very high spring rates, the front anti-roll bar diameter was reduced from 22mm to 17mm, while they increased the rear anti-roll bar from 14mm to 19mm. The front and rear dampers were also operated to match. This resulted in the car receiving some criticism for having an overly firm ride at the time. The GTI got the same diameter front brake discs as the regular model, but for the GTI they were ventilated, and the drum setup on the rear axle was retained from the less powerful models. The power was fed from the engine into a 5-speed gearbox and then transferred to the road via new 14-inch pepper pot style alloy wheels shod with Michelin MVX tyres in a 18560 size. On the exterior, there were a few changes to the bodywork over the regular 205 models. There were slightly bigger wheel arches to accommodate the larger wheels. These were trimmed with black plastic arch flares. It had a deeper front bumper with fog lights and red pinstripe on the upper half of both the front and rear bumper. There were extra plastic door mouldings which carried this pinstripe down the sides of the car. On the C-pillar there were GTI and 1.6 badging and there was also a subtle rear spoiler fitted above the rear window. 
Stepping into the car, you would immediately notice the bright red carpet throughout the cabin. It got very supportive seats with decent side support that were finished in cloth. Once sitting in them, you had a plastic rimmed two spoke steering wheel with GTI lettering in the middle, and beyond the wheel, you would see that it was well equipped with gauges, with no less than six on display. A speedo and a rev counter taking up the dominant positions in the center as the main two gauges with the oil pressure and fuel gauge to the left and the oil temperature and coolant temperature to the right. In December 1986, Peugeot launched the 1.9 litre version of the GTI. This engine was codenamed XU9JA and produced 130 brake horsepower and 119 pounds-feet of torque. The 1.9 is largely the same as the 1.6, however to gain the extra capacity through using a new crankshaft to bring the stroke from 73mm to 88mm. It also got new connecting rods along with alterations to the pistons and the combustion chamber, reducing the compression slightly from 9.8 is to 1 on the 1.6 to 9.6 is to 1 on the 1.9. The same Bosch Eljetronic fuel injection system was used. The gearbox had some changes with first and second gears being raised while also fitting a higher final drive to make use of the higher power. For example, at 70 miles per hour, the 1.9 litre would cruise at 3,350 rpm in fifth gear, while the same speed in the 1.6 litre would result in 3,750 rpm, which would have left it a more comfortable motorway cruiser. To help cope with this extra performance, the 1.9 litre got stiffer springs and dampers along with thicker anti-roll bars which left the car with a stiffer overall ride but was more controllable when pushed to its limits. The power met the road via larger 15 inch Speedline alloy wheels and 185-55 Michelin MVX tyres, at the time a relatively low profile tyre for such a car. In June 1986, Peugeot expanded the 205 lineup by launching a convertible called the CTI with the GTI's 1.6 litre engine. It was based on the three door hatch, and this car was designed and partly built by Pininfarina. By 1987, the 205 had been on sale for four years, and Peugeot thought it was time to give the car a midlife facelift to keep it competitive with the many new arrivals that had been launched in that time. So it was September 1987 the Phase 1.5 was in introduced. Exterior-wise it remained unchanged, but inside it got a more modern dashboard, three-spoke steering wheel in the GTI, better quality plastics and new seat patterns. Also at this point, now all Peugeots were fully galvanised, including the 205. At this time, the 1.6 model gained another 10 horsepower. The updated engine was known as the XU5JA, and it now produced 115 brake horsepower, while the torque dropped slightly down from 99 pounds-feet to 98 pounds-feet. But this engine developed a flatter torque curve, developing as much as 94 pounds-feet of its torque from just 2,600 RPM. To achieve this, they gave the cylinder head slightly bigger and reshaped valves and there was a higher lift camshaft fitted and the engine's timing was altered to make the most of this. The rev limit had also been lifted to 6,900 RPM 
and the compression ratio have been reduced slightly from the previous 1.6 to 9.8 is to 1. In August 1989, the GTI got a new gearbox. A slightly larger exhaust and power steering was now an option, which would come as a welcome addition as the 205 had quite heavy steering. However, you could only have either power steering or aircon. There wasn't enough room in the engine bay to accommodate both together. Just over a year later, in September 1990, it got some further cosmetic improvements. Outside, it got clear indicator lens and smoked rear lights. The dashboard was changed from grey to black and ABS braking now became an option. The CTI also got an electric roof at this time. By the time 1992 came along, stricter emission standards came into effect and as a result, the 1.6 GTI was discontinued in September of that year. And the 1.9 litre GTI got a catalytic converter dropping power to 122 brake horsepower. Finally, in April 1994, after 10 years, production of the GTI and CTI ceased. By which time, Peugeot had already started selling high-performance versions of the newer 106 and 306. Throughout the 10-year lifespan of the GTI, there were a few special edition models. Between 1989 and 1990, 1,200 models were built in the then-new colours of Miami Blue and Sorrento Green. They were made in equal quantities, with 300 blue and 300 green 1.6s, and 300 green and 300 blue 1.9s. They also got a sliding sunroof, power steering, and a full grey leather interior as standard. There were 1,652 Griff GTIs built for the mainland European market. They all came in laser green with dark grey speedline wheels with a silver lip. They were quite well equipped with most options fitted including ABS, power steering, sunroof and a full black leather interior. The UK market got a limited edition GTI to celebrate the 25th birthday of BBC Radio 1 called the 1FM. There were only 25 built in total, all numbered with a brass plaque on the inside of the door beneath the door catch. They all came in black with Radio 1FM 25 graphics applied to the bodywork. It came with all options fitted and the speedline wheels were painted dark grey with the silver lip like the Griff models. They had a unique stereo provided by Clarion which included a CD changer and acoustic rear shell. There was a special edition called the Gentry. While not really a GTI, it had the 1.9 litre engine but in a detuned 105 horsepower form and made it to an automatic gearbox. This was the same engine fitted to the Swiss and Australian export market GTIs. They were marketed as a more luxurious 205 and was limited to a production run of just 300 models, all of which came in either Sorrento Green or Aztec Gold. Inside, they had full leather interior and wood trim on the door cards. Power steering and electric mirrors were fitted and they all got the same plastic side body mouldings as the GTI, leaving them quite easy to mistake for a GTI. Alongside the GTI, there were other performance versions of the 205. From 1988 to 1992, Peugeot built the 205 Rally as a lighter, more cost-effective car to both buy and run compared to the GTI. Somewhere in the region of 30,000 rallies were built in lift and drive for the mainland European market. These came fitted with a 1.3 litre engine with a high lift cam 
and twin Weber carbs to produce 102 brake horsepower and at 6,800 RPM, which was a pretty decent output considering the size of the engine. This engine was derived from the TU 1.1 litre engine that had been used in the 205 since 1987 and was bored out to gain the increased capacity. On the inside, they were stripped of all luxuries such as sound deadening and any unnecessary electrics to bring the weight down to just 794 kilograms. This created a very pure driving experience and makes them an even more sought after car than the GTI today. On the exterior, they had more squared off steel arches compared to the GTIs. The GTI's front bumper was used and they were finished off with body colored steel wheels. The cars could be had in either white or yellow. There were Peugeot Talbot Sport graphics on the grille and the tailgate. From 1990 to 1992, they sold a 105hp 1.9 litre version of the rally in Germany alone, due to the 1.3 litre carb engine not meeting their emissions regulations at the time. Around 1,000 of these were built, and they're now less popular with enthusiasts, than the 1.3 litre due to the weight increase of 150 kilograms. The UK got a 1.4 litre model, but this only produced 75 brake horsepower. Peugeot were always at the forefront of developing diesel engines back in those days. So in 1993, they produced a performance diesel version of the 205 badged the STDT. It featured a 1.8 litre turbo diesel producing 78 brake horsepower and 116 pounds-feet of torque, which was a decent amount of power for a diesel at the time, when almost all diesels were economical but painfully slow. While the 205 GTIs were eligible for entry in Group N and Group A competition, the most famous 205 in motorsport was the T16, which was built for Group B competition. While the car was only very loosely related to the 205 GTI, you couldn't talk about the GTI without at least a brief mention of the T16. While you could easily see how the T16 was related to the GTI visually, the two cars only shared doors, windscreen and headlights. Everything else was unique to the T16. The T16 was a mid-engined four-wheel drive car built purely to compete in Group B rallying and to be allowed to enter Group B, they were required to build 200 road-going examples of the T16. Production began in 1984 and they took both Drivers and Constructors Championships of the 1985 and 1986 World Rally Championships with Timo Salonen and Juha Kankanen after which the Group B class was cancelled due to safety concerns. The front half of the T16 was a steel monocoque structure with the rear half being an entirely tubular steel space frame structure to house the engine and the drivetrain. The body had massively widened arches all round for increased track, with the rear arches having large air intakes to feed the engine and intercooler. The rear half of the body that covered the engine hinged upwards as one large clamshell to allow easy access for mechanics to work on the car. The engine was sized at 1775cc to get into a lower weight limit class than the Audi Quattro's at the time. The engine took its cast iron block from the diesel XU engines with a bespoke 16-valve head bolted to it. The road-going version of the car produced less than half the power of the competition cars, at around 200 horsepower. So given the car weighed 1145 kilograms, 
the road car wasn't actually a lot faster than the 1.9 GTI, with 0 to 60 times of 6.8 seconds and 132 mph top speed. For the 10 years the 205 GTI was in production, it was regarded as the benchmark for other manufacturers to try and meet or beat, and while some would come close, many would argue nobody managed to dethrone the 205 GTI in its 10-year reign. Indeed, many feel even Peugeot to this day hasn't managed to top it, even if the 106 and 306 GTIs came close. It's become a highly desirable classic nowadays, with all the somewhat badly modified ones now long gone or haven't been restored. In 2017, one sold in the UK for a record £38,000 sterling. And while you'd be able to buy a good example for less than that, they have risen steadily in value over the past 10 years. And with that, I'll wrap up this episode. I hope it was informative, and I hope I got things factually correct. But if I got anything wrong, or you have any interesting trivia you know on the 205 GTI, please don't hesitate to get in contact with me by dropping me an email on thecarhistorypodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram on thecarhistorypodcast and tweet me at thecarhistorypodcast. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear the next episode as soon as it's aired. Thanks for listening, and until the next episode, stay safe.